what are some things that you didn't learn in art school? Do you ever wish life had an undo button? Walking the balance between business and the creative life can be hard. But Matt and Shelby are here to attempt to answer the tough questions, so you don't need an undo. Presented by Made by Things, this is the Command Z Show. And we're back with another riveting episode of the Command Z Show. And today, Shelby is sick. So, I have another special guest, which is Melissa Lee Johnson. Melissa, Hello. how are you doing? I'm great. You called on me last minute, but <laughs> I, I work for you anyway. <laughs> You're like, what else was I doing? <laughs> um, I appreciate you jumping on here. Uh, yeah, you, you. this is your second time on the show. First yeah. time as a co-host, though. <laughs> yeah. If we can call it that. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, We were kind of kicking around some ideas on what we would talk about in today's episode. And I think we have a really good question that uh, we'll kind of, we'll see what happens. We'll, uh, we'll talk through, we'll talk through some, some pretty, what I, I guess what I think really meaningful stuff. So it wasn't a topic that I needed a whole ton of lead time on because I feel like I've discussed it a lot with the people I went to school with, other professionals. It's kind of a constant conversation in the industry. I don't know. Right. It's definitely something that I'm not necessarily asked about, but it is something that um, is, is talked about a bit. So without any further ado here, the question is, um, what are some things that you didn't learn in art school? Now, obviously, there's a billion different things, right? But we're going to talk about things more specific to the creative industry, I suppose. And uh, a lot of this is kind of based on a post that I had on LinkedIn a few months back that I kind of wanted to go through and give uh, eight eight specific points on thing eight eight things that I didn't learn in art school. A lot of this is actually from uh, there's this book that is called I think it's a whole series but the one that I have is like 101 things I didn't learn in business school which I thought was really interesting it was like this really like short book <clears throat> I recommend everybody check it out you didn't it. go to business school so you didn't learn anything in I did not school, exactly <laughs> that's why I did not write that book because <laughs> it would be pretty short yeah. <laughs> or really long really I don't know. long all the things I didn't learn in business school <laughs> Um, so the, the first thing that I didn't learn in business school, uh, and I'm going to kind of read off of this here. So much of what separates amateurs and professionals is simply mastering the fundamentals of something usually taught on your first day. First ahead, of all, you just said business school, but you meant art school. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Damn it. <laughs> I'm not going to start over. You all get it. Podcast. <laughs> And we're done. <laughs> um, any any thoughts on on that first one? So it, it, it's most of what you need to know is fundamentals. Yeah, that's um, yeah. I like go back to the fundamentals that we learned. Literally, I remember going over these things in elementary school. Maybe not so in depth, but like um, 
what is it like the principles or elements of art right like shape, right. color texture um which at the time seemed like irrelevant right like right. i just want to make things and i i think that mindset continued into college where these things weren't very like sexy or interesting they seemed very abstract um but i find myself referencing the principles and elements of design like all the time um <laughs> you do it obviously not consciously just through making things but i will kind of go through a checklist in, in my mind when working um specifically when working on like developing a new style like a new art direction for a project like okay am i really thinking about lighting here am i thinking about perspective am i thinking about color shape line texture repetition pattern like blah 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 um and i never thought those things were going to come up but yeah i i think so much of it like when when we go to art school not business school when we go to art school um we want to do like the big stuff right like we want to learn the software we want to learn like all the technical stuff well for me anyway i wanted to learn like the technical side of things um and yeah it was like within the first couple of weeks we're talking about the animations or the principles of animation we're talking about design fundamentals and i'm like all right like i could have literally like read a children's book on like how to do those things well but it's it's so weird because we just gloss right over that fact and we we focus so much on like the the details that we kind of forget to remember the important stuff which is those fundamentals um i think much of the much of the work that i do as a creative director i feel like is really completely rooted in those principles and fundamentals because i'm like if it's not within one of those things it's simply like a subjective thing and i don't like to have subjective opinions on artwork that anyone else does because i'm like specifically when you're giving feedback yeah i'm like okay so like is it just that I just don't like it or like, that's not, that's not a good response. So Mm -hmm. for me, I'm like, okay, if it doesn't feel right, like why? Okay. Like maybe we try, right. Like maybe you could try more easing and stuff like that, but all right, let's go to the next point here. Like it or not, you are competing against your friends for the same available jobs. Compete nicely though, because sometimes you might be able to be on the same team one day. What's your thoughts there? I don't know. I could go on about this one a lot. Um, There were a lot of art school mean girls, if you will. Girls don't have to be (laughs) just girls, okay? (laughs) Mean people. Mean people, mean girls. (laughs) Um, I would say a lot of people actually didn't have any sense of competition at all, which is maybe its own own problem. Um, Way too relaxed. But there was definitely a handful of people who were uh unnecessarily personal and cutthroat mm-hmm. um which i do understand to a degree you are right. fighting for the same jobs um maybe you really have like a very similar position in your like local i don't know marketplace if you want to call it that um i don't think it's necessary right. to be nasty I, it's just a bad look right. look and yes you can be on the same team you can be lucky enough to be on the same team or you can be unlucky enough to be on the same team but yeah. it doesn't benefit you to be nasty i feel like it always comes back right right for me it was uh, like one of my good friends in college we kind of thrived on this sort of competition against each other a little bit 
we were like good friends, yeah. but at the same time, we wanted to do better than each other. That's nice. And I don't, I, I don't think there was ever any like nastiness. Like I didn't want him to ever do a bad job. I always wanted him to do an amazing job, but I still. Yeah, wanted to you were like sabotaging him. <laughs> right, right, right. I was like, yeah. And oddly enough, that's like where my, I mean, one of the first opportunities that I got came from when he got a job somewhere else. He kind of put in a good word for me and like i just to me i'm like i never saw that as a scenario mm-hmm. that i would like you were like rewarding on like the return on investment there. right 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 yeah. <laughs> um yeah oh we got to all this barking do you hear it nice yep uh-huh, they have a they have a response there too <laughs> uh dogs competing against each other for don't even chihuahua <laughs> <laughs> scary all right let's Let's go to number three here. What you learn in art school is the bare minimum to start a career. You'll need to keep learning to stay in and progress in the industry. I don't know. That is such a broad point. Like, I, so you've been a teacher and a student, which makes your insights even more interesting. But, you know, I only ever went to school for art. I don't have the experience of, like, having studied something completely different in college. Um so I don't know what it's like in other fields, but I kind of feel that not that art school is necessary, like not that art school is unnecessary, but it's right. probably one of the most difficult fields to teach or it seems like it's very difficult to actually prep people um, for a career fully. Right. It's never enough. It's experience is really what. Right. Right. I think that's part of it, though, is that like, okay, so let's say you're in school for three, four years, whatever. Um, truthfully, that's really not enough time. Even if you're like working eight hour days for three to four years, that's really not enough time to become like a real expert in this no. field. Right. Um, and I hate to put time on it because everybody has their own pace, whatever. Yeah, they're all starting at a different point, too. Right. But it's kind of this idea that they only have the time to teach the like fundamentals of again, whether it's principles or software. Yeah. Like there's only enough time to just kind of I don't want to say scratch the surface, because sometimes you can get a little bit deeper than that. But um I think a lot of people coming out of school within their first year or two think that, okay, like I'm I know I know what I need to do. I know this mm-hmm. thing. Um, and it's, it's weird because, yeah, I mean, like you said, I've been a student, I've been a teacher. Um, I've also hired people just out of school before. So like I can see almost every step of the sort of process, I guess. Um, and I think for some people it, it can be dangerous. It can create the sort of attitude of like, oh, like I know, I, I know it all kind of thing. Um, I don't see that as much as I see the opposite actually. Yeah. I feel like I see more people who are just totally lacking in confidence. Totally. We talk, you and I talk about this a lot, like the ability to just um, volunteer yourself, like dive into the process and know that you can handle it and just go for it rather than waiting for permission or instruction. There are always a few odd people though, coming out of art school who are unusually confident maybe to a fault but I I feel like I typically see the opposite yeah I think that is kind of a a generational thing right now that's sort of happening maybe um 
again, just from my time teaching and everything kind of what I'm seeing and even like comparing to like whenever I was in school, I felt like confidence is definitely one of those things that has been on the decline. Um, yeah. And it is interesting, but like, yeah, I guess, again, though, you, you kind of have, you'll always have the people that are just like the know-it-alls, I guess. Um, <laughs> not I say that in like, I don't think that I was that way. I still don't think I'm that way, but I, it could be perceived by anyone in a number of ways. So, <laughs> all right, let's keep it going here. Number four, the same creative work that we do can be worth $10 million to some and $10 to others. I'm more curious to hear what you have to say about this. <laughs> yeah. It's um, still specific to you. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. Uh, I, I think one of the hardest things to understand is the value of creativity. Um, that's another thing you just, there was never, uh, that phrase was never uttered once. Ooh, sorry. just flung my pen. Uh, <laughs> that phrase was never said once in any of my time in college uh, is the value of the work that we create. And I think it's partly it's because creative work is so personal to us. It's mm -hmm. personal to everybody. And when you start to put a monetary value on the things that we do, it can be really off-putting, I guess, to a lot of people. Um, yeah. But to me, I guess I was just, you know, in those early years, you always feel like you're kind of getting away with something because you're like, I can't believe they're paying me to do this. Like mm -hmm. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying my job here. But then at a certain point you realize that like you can make an offer to one company for the exact same thing. Like say, okay, we're going to do an animated video for one company. They, you could tell them $10 million and they'd be like, okay, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, obviously, if you say that to some some companies, they're like, "Well, that's outrageous." No, we don't. We don't charge ten million dollars for the things that we work on. We should, but we don't. <laughs> um, but again, like you could say, "Yeah, we'll just do an animated video, and it's gonna be like ten bucks," and then they'll be like, eh, "I don't want it." Um, right. There's there's so much of the value is in the eye of the beholder kind of stuff, and that that's another thing that I think can really ruin, really wreck confidence that people have is whenever they put a price tag on something that they do or they're going to do and it's significantly less than what they even need to survive. Right. Yeah. And there. Yep. Gotta love it too. When people are, uh, I, I remember this conversation a lot when I was younger in school, especially like right at the beginning of my career, people who were supportive of me hammering on about like, you need to raise your rates. Right. Sometimes you can't because right. you get so many no's and you're like, well, I can either make uh, no money off of this or make money but less than I should. Right. Such a difficult equation to, to right. figure out. That's a whole episode in itself right there. Um, <laughs> but I guess what, yeah, what I would say is like, you know, even if somebody tells you no, that $10 is too much to not try to take that personally. Right. I guess, because it's like, okay, it's simply a business decision that these people made. It's not worth like getting upset about. You just kind of be on your way and understand that you are for some people and you are not for others. I'd be interested to hear the opinion of an economist, somebody who studied economics yeah. on like how 
supply and demand and pricing works in the creative industry because it's so intangible. I mean, you do get a product at the end. It's not, you know, purely a service with no deliverable, but it seems like the wild west in terms of pricing. I, I know there's some like yep. pricing handbooks and standards and stuff as well, specifically for illustration in the more like traditional fields will be standard pricing for like a book cover or like right. spot illustration, a full page page, stuff like that as a guideline. But I feel like that's not yeah. as Ultimately, standard as it once was. Right. Ultimately, it, I guess my thoughts on it, not, not an economist, um, but the, the idea of an individual, you have the market as a whole, but then you have the individual company or person, right? And those are, can be completely wildly different things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in years where the market is down overall, some companies can be just outperforming in certain ways or whenever things are going well, certain companies are underperforming. Like it's, it's just one of these things where that supply and demand really has to be taken into account on a micro level. I feel like mm-hmm. um, for an individual company. So that's where it gets tough is that if you're like, oh man, the whole industry right now is charging $500 for a book cover. I don't, I'm just making this number up. Um, and then you're like, do I want to take this on for $500? Like you have the opportunity and the ability to say, no, I'm actually going to charge $3,000 for this. Yeah. Because to me, that's what makes this worth it based on your own personal supply and demand. And so it's it's trying to navigate things like that as well as kind of the market as a whole, which... I have kind uh, of a funny confession that is far enough in the past that... Let's hear it. It's really not that embarrassing. Um, sometimes when I was asked for a price on a project, something not totally standard, right? Not like a book cover or a half page or a full page right. editorial. Um, I had like a rough range of what felt appropriate, but it would feel really difficult to land on a specific number. <laughs> so at the time, I would just like look at an upcoming expense that I had and I would be like, well, <laughs> I do have like... <laughs> A seven hundred dollar plane ticket I need to buy this month. So I'm charging you seven hundred dollars. I don't think it's that crazy. <laughs> I mean, a little. You have to take your finances into account when you do. pricing, you do but have you to. maybe shouldn't be that. I don't think clients specific are happy here. <laughs> You're like, how about you don't pay me anything? You just pay for my plane ticket. Yeah, coming up for the word good. There you go. That's um, fair. Yeah, that's interesting. Another episode. We've yeah. already developed at least four episodes that need to happen here, but let's happen. let's move on to number five here. All right. Even doing something you love every day will feel like a job sometimes. That's okay. It beats the alternative. I'm looking at some of the future points we're going to go over because I want to make sure I'm seeing the right one. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I had a teacher, uh, an artist named Kim Miller when I was in college who was like the head of my program she had? I don't know I took a lot of her classes but she was always hammering about just getting in the studio and working and how that was basically the most important thing you can do um mm-hmm. which I completely agree with her and I think it says a lot that she had to bring that up constantly to people because it seemed really really difficult to get a lot of students to just sit down and do the work in the words of Kim Kardashian what does she say Get off your 
fucking ass and go to work. Have you heard that quote? <laughs> I have not. It's so unbecoming because she's so rich. It's like, <laughs> yeah. don't yell at me. <laughs> uh-huh, anyway, geez. I'll send you. I'll send, it's a meme at this point. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. it, it is the most important thing that you can do. And it doesn't really matter if you want to do it or not. That, that's my yeah. point of view. At the same time, there is something to be said for forcing yourself to do creative work when it's not happening. But I think you need to bake in like some strategies like, okay, I blocked out eight hours for working today. I know there's going to be an hour in there where I need to just like go for a walk and eat some food and like re-inspire myself and bake that into my process because simply um, trying to just what's the word I want to use? Just, just like full speed ahead through your process when it's not happening. is not always working. Uh, brute force. Yeah. Brute force. Um, but I, I don't know. I've always kind of believed that it doesn't really matter if you want to do the work that day. Like you just kind of have to, you can call yourself an artist yeah. if you want to call yourself an artist, but I don't really think you are an artist if you're not making things. Yeah. So make, so I, yeah, I think overall just people generally forget, right? Like there's there's so many different jobs in the world. And in general, people nobody wants to work, right? Like everybody, if we could, we would we would work, but we would just do different kinds of work that the pace would be a lot we, different. Yeah, we weren't seeking the approval of others and that kind of thing. To me, that's the exhausting part of just work as a whole, is you're just always trying to make other people happy constantly. Yeah. Um, but I think that, I think some people like want to go into this industry because they're like, oh my God, like it's, it would be so amazing. And listen, like it is, it is amazing. I'm not going to like lie about things like that. I'm I'm glad I'm doing this and there's not anything else in the world that I'd rather be doing, but there are definitely days where it's, it's really tough. Um, just, just as tough as what you might have if you were working in a factory somewhere or at a newspaper or like, you know, all these different things. Um, so I guess it's just important to, to understand that even doing the thing that you love the most, you're going to have bad days and that's okay. Yeah. And also there's a difference between for a lot of jobs, there's the idea of the job and then there's the reality of the job. And like, it might seem really sexy or exciting to be a creative in some way in my case my reality is I spend a lot of my time sitting on that chair back there uh just drawing on my ipad which is great but like for a lot of people doing that for eight hours a day every single day is not appealing um right so that reality might be a little different than the kind of image that you have of how an artist how an illustrator works um I think you have to be accepting, like understand that reality and be, be, be accepting of it and know that it's not always super glamorous. Yeah. All right. Let's go to number six. You're not stuck with the same job title forever. You can change skill sets later if you feel like it. Portfolios should change often as your experience and taste change too. Well, I did a slight career shift a few years into my career where I went from being like a 
regular regular illustrator to working in the motion design industry, which I never planned on doing. I really had no experience in it. And I'm super glad that I I did that. Um, And for me, that wasn't like a pivot that that came out of anything negative. I just had the opportunity to, to work with you and I'm so happy about it, but Aww. did you <laughs> did you have a pivot at any point that was like an unexpected, uh, difficult one? A I think style was, change, or I think there was many. I, I feel like every couple of years, there's a really evident one for me. Um, even like so, like getting the first job that I had was as a multimedia art- artist for the United States Department of Energy. So yeah, it's a really long title and stuff, but really what that meant was when somebody needed something in the lab, I would run over, take photos of it, uh, illustrate it or design something that they need for a presentation video or do an animation for a process in which has never previously been seen before. Right. Um, And it was literally like all those things in the same day sometimes. So for me, I'm like, okay, I, I, I like this, but, um, uh, you know, a couple of years in, it was, all right, it's time to kind of adjust here a little bit. The baby is screaming for headphones right now. I was like, I don't know, buddy. Go ask mommy. She knows. She doesn't know. <laughs> uh, so, um, but there's, there's constantly these things where it's like, okay, well now it's like, you kind of feel like, I don't know. Sometimes you can feel like, okay, this just doesn't feel as easy to me as it used to be. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that's like kind of this cue that it's time to kind of make some kind of change. Um, and I decided to go off the deep end and move to Los Angeles without any promise of a real job anyway, and found a way to make it work out there. What's that? The American dream. Right. <laughs> um, but even even during that time, it's like, okay, well, I want to start a company. And then it's like, okay, well, what roles do I play in the company? And now, even at this point, I feel like it's every couple of months, maybe once or twice a year where I'm like, okay, I need to change what I do specifically and either delegate that to somebody else that can do right. that better or right. and just change a process. It's not like you're, these are like little micro changes that you are making right. in your life. And it might not be that evident to people on the outside. Like, right. oh, you've had, you've been doing made by things for, Unofficially 15 years, did you say? Yep. Yeah, that's wild. It is. You and I are both the type of person, though, I think, where we are not comfortable with kind of just like parking it. Yep. 100%. Very long. I, ooh. It was a balloon. He's fine. Okay. (laughs) 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 No, we blew up 30 balloons for my son's birthday yesterday, and they're floating around popping throughout the day. Oh, your son is 30 years old? He is 30 years old. (laughs) He's eight years old. Uh, (laughs) That'd be some shit. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah, like you said, like, it's just, there's, there's like really no comfort in just doing the same thing every day, having the same title, doing the same things. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's why I say to people is like, sometimes you love something and then you find that you kind of fall out of love with like that kind of work or something like that. And that's totally fine. Like if you get to a point, so uh, I've told Colin this a lot and I've probably told the rest of the team before too, but 
I'm like, you know what? If this stops being fun, then I'm just going to like close it down and we'll start like a landscaping business or something. <laughs> like, cause like that's, I, I mean, I'm not you on the landscaping business. <laughs> See, sounds kind of nice, doesn't it? <laughs> um, but like, I, not that I ever think that I would do that, but it's, it's that idea of being that kind of open to things um, from time to time. If something just doesn't feel right anymore, like I think people are just naturally changing over time. And especially if you start off working in one area and you're like, oh, I really want to be like in animation, but I'm kind of stuck in design or something. Mm-hmm. Like if that's the case, like you have that ability to change later on. Yeah. Um, nice. And I think for the first job anyway, people think that whatever that position is, that's it. Like that's, <gasps> that's, I know. And that's why they have such a problem even choosing a major in colleges because they think that whatever they choose at that moment, they're picking something for the rest of their life. But it's much more of a tree branch kind of thing where you can branch out really far from where you start rather than this linear path, you know? I've always felt, of course, you're already going over time. Um, (laughs) We'll catch up. (laughs) I've always felt that um, kind of going back to our first point about those core principles that you learn about, um, a lot of things in the creative realm uh, are actually pretty similar. You're dealing with a lot of the same ideas and it's, you're not necessarily an expert in one area and then going to be an expert in a completely different area. But I think a lot of those skills and a lot of that thinking transfers and it's all a lot more fluid than it may appear when you're like in, in college, for instance, where there's these clear majors with like, clear definitions da, 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 da. Right. Um, I, I think it all can flow into like okay you're joking about landscaping honestly I see a lot of similarities between being mm-hmm. like illustrator graphic designer animator and right. maybe not installing landscapes but like designing landscapes right. you're still <laughs> working with like a a space and shapes and colors and textures and line and it's all I do right You're totally right. Uh, Yeah, you're right. We'll we'll try to catch up on number seven, number eight here. But uh, I think it's, it's, it's another like fear that parents generally have of their children going into like a specific art field Yeah. where they're like, Oh no, like you want to be like, you want to do animation for Pixar. Like that's really tough. Only so Mm -hmm. many people get to do that every year. Mm -hmm. And I think what people fail to be able to see at that point is there are so many different places that you can go. Like you can branch off from that stuff. Right. So like that, that was me, right. I went to school specifically to be an animator at Pixar. I had no other ideas in my head of what else there even was. Like that was the only job that I really knew of. So that's it. But once you start to kind of get into the industry, get into the community a little bit more, then you start to see that like, like, Oh, there's actually a lot of opportunity for this stuff. Yeah. Um, my, my niece is in ballet and wants to do things like, um, yeah, she wants to go to school like with a dance minor. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that is incredible. Like, okay, you might not dance like professionally afterwards like that. There's a chance, but, and for Christmas, somebody got her these like little ballet, like slipper things that they wear backstage. Mm. And I was like, I point to that. I'm like, somebody made that like, right. And that person has a background in ballet. Right. And it's like, just to think of like 
where little things can sort of take you along the way, I think is really powerful. Right. Like somebody wouldn't have been able to design something like that that was so specific for that right. industry, that purpose, whatever, if they didn't have that kind of background and insight into dance. Right. Yep. All right. Here we go. It's number seven. Class projects are easy to spot in a portfolio. What's your 30 second answer? <laughs> it's all you have, obviously, right when you graduate. I mean, right. maybe not all you have. Hopefully you have some freelance stuff by the time you graduate, graduate but of course, that's just the ideal. Um, it's not the reality for everybody. Most class projects, maybe there's like one or two that you can keep in there for a while. Um, maybe you build upon it. That's in general, that's one of my biggest pieces of advice for people when I talk to like students or people who have just graduated is to expand upon what you already have. So let's say you did a, um, a a logo project for some company you made up and that's it. And it's clearly a class project. At least you can do something else with it. Like, okay, let's design a mural for the company that you did the logo for and let's design t-shirts or stickers right. or tote bag, whatever. And this is like illustration, illustration and design examples. But it's so easy to spot that kind of work and you can mm -hmm. really spot it when the spirit of the, of, of the work was, I was made to do this. <laughs> so I think, I think that's it right there is that like, yeah, again, if that's all you have, you gotta, you gotta make it work, whatever. <laughs> but there is something in that where it just, the motivation just doesn't feel like anything except for, well, the teacher just asked me to do this. Like, I want to hear that you did something for a, just any other reason. Yeah. <laughs> Because that stuff really translates and shows when we see that stuff in a portfolio, um, the stuff you're passionate about. I think that's that's one of the things that I personally look for in portfolios of anyone that we hire on our team is what are they actually interested in? Yeah, because uh, that that plays a role. Like they have to be good at software and stuff like that. But I also want to understand like what are the things that really like puts a fire under them? Like what are the things they really care about? So yeah. All right, let's go to our last point. Uh, number eight, being a part of a strong creative community will do more for your chances of getting a job than your work will. Yeah. Do you agree with that? I do. Um, yeah. When I, I live in Arizona now and I used to live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And there's actually a really great creative industry in Milwaukee, both of like fine artists and like ad agency people. Um, and that was like a great resource to me when I was a student that felt like incredibly intimidating to me this whole concept right. of networking um and now that I live somewhere where there are creative people yes but there's not this like established industry especially on the ad agency professional side of things oh, I really really miss it at least yeah. though post-covid world the whole digital you know cross-country working together thing um is reality. So that helps. Right. So. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I was able to reap the benefits of a thing like this. I talked about it with my friend that we were sort of competitive with each other or whatever yeah. during school. <clears throat> like we, we built a community at school of these friends and we were all wanted to kind of help each other. And obviously again, your work does play a role in the opportunities that you get, but when you're able to be a part of a community and that, and you're able to 
be referred by somebody else. I don't think people realize how much power referrals have mm-hmm. in just the world in general. And I mean, it's, I can confidently say that's how we get most of our projects is through referrals. No matter how hard I try posting on LinkedIn, making videos, making a podcast, like doing all these sort of efforts, referrals are always the thing that work the best for us. And the same holds true even early on in your career um, that you will 100% get more opportunities if you're just a part of and, and play a role in the sort of community anyway. Yeah. And as a consumer, I love referrals for other things in my life. Right. Right. You know, I'm hiring a plumber. I would way rather get the plumber that my neighbor can vouch for. Yep. And same. Way better than going on Google and just picking somebody else. You don't know who you're going to get. You don't know who you're yep. going to get. Um, That's true. Yeah. Awesome. All right. We went through all the points. Let's do some quick final thoughts uh, just on the whole topic of eight things you didn't learn in art school. Um, go. <sighs> okay. Final thoughts. Um, it's, it's really easy to complain when you're in art school or even after art school that you didn't learn enough. They didn't teach me enough things, blah, blah, blah. I know from the teacher's point of view, it's not that simple because a lot of right. these things can't really be taught. You can try. Um, but a lot of these things are learned simply through experience. Additionally, a lot of students are like, what, 18, 19, 20 years old, um, adults, but still just, just babies starting out in the world. Right. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, from that point of view, it's, it just seems like you can never teach, um, I don't know, aspiring creatives enough. It's really experience right. and getting out there and doing things. And that's how you learn. I keep learning. Yeah, right. Keep learning. Yep. I would say for my final thoughts here, um, you're not supposed to learn everything in art school. I don't, and kind of like you were saying, people will say like, oh, they never taught that in school. <laughs> like they never taught this. And it's like, well, yeah, but like, think about if they did, like how many other things would they have to teach? Like they have to leave certain things out. Um, and, you know, I guess that's the biggest thing with art school and college in general is they're teaching you how to learn these things. Mm-hmm. They're not just teaching you the things that you need to know. They're teaching you because this doesn't stop. Yeah. It's, it's not like a lot of other industries where once you learn that thing, it's going to be pretty much the same for the next 35, 40 years. Um, this is something that is still a relatively new career. Yeah. Um, especially on the animation side of things where, I mean, we're talking about most, I'd say 99% of this industry, I mean, has probably been in it for 10 years or less. And that's a made up number. Everybody do not quote me on that, (laughs) but that's what it feels like anyway. You feel like an expert. (laughs) I mean, but that's the thing though, is like a lot of people realize that the field is just not for them and they move on to other things, stuff like that. Like I see stuff like that happening all the time and like, that's totally fine. Like if you realize that it's not for you, especially in in college, um, that you'd rather have something that wasn't changing constantly. Like I totally get it. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that's, that's what I would keep in mind, uh, is that it's just, it's constantly changing and you, you do, you have to constantly learn new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're totally right. You have to be the type of person who's 
willing to take that on and always be figuring things out for yourself all the time. Some people don't like that. Right. right. Um, now, like, you know, if if you were like an expert in drawing circles and people always came to you to draw circles, then you can be pretty confident that like, hey, I know the next person that walks up here, they're going to ask me to draw a circle. Um, but if somebody asks you to draw a square, you just kind of lose your mind. Yeah, then you're not, this isn't the place for you. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll let you have a last word on that. Great. Okay. All right. Uh, that is it. Okay. Uh, well, Melissa, thanks so much for, for joining on short notice. Um, I appreciate you uh, co-hosting it up with me today. Thanks. Hopefully I didn't make it go too long. I knew it would be a huge challenge. <laughs> I'm proud of you. We're going to stop at close to 40 minutes here. So we did it. <laughs> Only 10 minutes over, guys. Yep. Uh, all right. So to everyone else still listening, I appreciate it. If you have any questions for us, always feel free to reach out. Otherwise... Love you, bye. The Comanzi Show is created by Made by Things. And if you have a question you would like us to discuss, you can send a message at cmdz.show. And if you like what you hear, leave a review. We'll see you next week with a brand new show.